Happy New Year. Can't think of a better place to be on the first day of the week and the first day of a, a new year than here. And that's in the worshiping assembly of God's people to learn more about God and his love for us as his people. Um, we are really shifting gears today. This auditorium class, for the past several months, we have been studying the gospel account according to Luke. And we've been studying <clears throat> Luke's letter to Theophilus. And we were studying the book of Luke through the lens of how do you teach someone who is unacquainted, who is unfamiliar with Scripture, the book of Luke. And that's an important perspective. And I would suggest this morning that that should always be our perspective, to be able to articulate simply the Word of God to remind ourselves and to help teach someone who needs to hear the Word of God. And so we shift from studying the Gospel of Luke to the book of Proverbs. Okay, this is an entirely different study. This is an entirely different book. And we've heard it said before, and it bears repeating, that if you want to be a New Testament Christian, you have to study the Old Testament. Okay, that's not an option. This is not optional reading. We are charged, we are commanded in the New Testament to study the Scripture. And that's all part of God's plan. It's all part of God's purpose and instruction and in instructing His people is to study the Old Testament as well as the New. Proverbs, as a book, is a collection of Proverbs. It's a collection of wise sayings. And the Old Testament has been broken into sections for the sake of reference and study. And that could be done many ways, but one of the sections of the Old Testament that has been divided over time for sake of study is what's referred to as the wisdom literature. Wisdom literature of the Old Testament. How many people in here this morning are familiar with the wisdom literature section of the Old Testament and that phrase? A lot of people, most, most of us here today. <clears throat> and the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, do you know the four books that are considered part of that wisdom literature? Proverbs is one of them. There are three more. Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, and what's the fourth? Job, not the Psalms. You would think the Psalms, and there is wisdom in Psalms. And Psalms is Hebrew poetry as well as Proverbs, but Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, and Job, and there are some strong themes that tie those books in this wisdom literature. And this entire section of the Old Testament is rich in 
instruction and rich and practical knowledge of how best to live our lives here. And Proverbs especially is words from heaven on how best to live our lives here on earth. And we are incredibly blessed to have the Bible at our disposal and on our computer and we have access to commentaries and all of this and we are incredibly blessed to have a book like Proverbs which is so very valuable to our everyday life. And this is an ancient book. The writings of this book are thought to have been dated from 900, 800 BCE, and perhaps the later writings added to this collection in 6, 700 BCE. This is an ancient text, and these are ancient words. It's ancient wisdom, but it's incredibly relevant in today's world, and it's as relevant today as it has ever been, and it'll be as relevant in the next however many thousand years as it is today because it is inspired literature. And God gave the book of Proverbs and wisdom literature to assist his people, to instruct his people on how they could best live their lives. And it's the same for us. This is given so that we can be assisted by God in how to best live our lives today. Why should we study Proverbs? Why Proverbs? I could, and I will tell you before you answer, there are two main points that has come to mind for me, and you can't read my mind, but there are some simple points as to why this is relevant for our lives today. What are two points? Mara. Absolutely. We have a lot to learn. Solomon, the wisest man that had uh, perhaps ever lived, except for maybe Jesus, obviously. Um, great point. Can you think of any other reasons why should we study Proverbs? Instruction for how we should live. And why is that important? And I'm not trying to put you on the spot. And I know what it feels like to... <laughs> you're, you're anticipating the point. The point's well taken. Life is hard. That's one of the main points that I have been able to think about in the past couple months to study the book of Proverbs is that life is hard, is it not? And overriding that, the reason for studying Proverbs would be the reason we would study any book of the Bible. And what is that reason? It's God's Word. To know God more deeply to enrich our knowledge and appreciation for the love of God. Yes, sir. And 
you know, a lot, a lot of what we have in the, for instance, law is, is commands. And it's, and it's one thing to, to obey commands, things you shouldn't do, but, but there's more to life than that. And, and a lot of, and, and living a life successfully, according to God's will, is, is going to involve making good choices. And Proverbs is very much about, about giving you guidance and wisdom for making good choices. Absolutely, that's a great point and a great observation to be made. And, and we'll talk about that a little more, I hope, uh, this morning, is the nature of the topics and teachings that are given in Proverbs versus a Leviticus or a Genesis. Uh, it's an inherently different book that we're reading. So to love God, know God more deeply, and because life is hard. And this is the best, our best path forward to live our lives in as prosperous and as good of a way as we can. We have these collected sayings. And we want to learn more about God and His will for us because of our love for Him and our love because He first loved us. Um, before we continue going any further, let's say a word of prayer and we'll continue talking about Proverbs. <clears throat> Holy God, our Father in heaven, we're so thankful for this day. We're so thankful for the light of a new day, a new week, and a new year. Lord, we pray that you would bless us in our study of your word so that we would be a blessing to the world around us, realizing our purpose and our, the plan that you have for us. We pray that you would bless us in our study in this year, that you would impart your wisdom and your knowledge into us and into the world around us and into our leaders of this world and this country and our local governments. We're so thankful for Jesus. We're so thankful for the opportunity to meet this morning, the ease of this life and the comfort that we have to be in a warm building and we just recognize you as God and acknowledge you as the source of every good thing you've allowed us to see. And it's in Jesus' holy name that we pray. Amen. <clears throat> when it was proposed to me to study the book of Proverbs in the auditorium class, I thought, well, yeah. You know, I felt that I had read through Proverbs as much as any other book. Uh, a wise man had told me several years ago that if you read one Proverbs a day, you'll pretty much read through Proverbs every month because there are 31 chapters. Most months have 31 days. And so that's a great regimen and reading protocol to get on if you haven't or if you're looking for one for a new year, the other would be Psalms. If you read five Psalms a day, you'll read Psalms in a month. And so I thought, yeah, I've, I've read through Proverbs. But one thing, several things that I had never considered and in just reading through Proverbs as I would any other book is to understand and appreciate the role of the sage in the ancient Near East and in ancient Israel. That's something that 
never came up when I was growing up in the pews. Um, I don't know if y'all are like me. Have y'all heard a lot about the sage in ancient Israel growing up? I, it just wasn't on the radar. But it's an incredibly biblical principle. And I think that to appreciate Proverbs for what it is and to help someone understand what Proverbs is as a collection of wise sayings, we need to get a handle on what that role was. For instance, in Jeremiah 18, in verse 18, speaking here to the ways in which God delivers instruction to his people, it says, Surely the law is not going to be lost to the priest, nor counsel to the sage, nor the divine word to the prophet. Now we are pretty familiar with priests and prophets. God spoke directly to the prophets. The priest taught the law. But counsel to the sage. What is that all about? And I think it's important to realize that Solomon, who, you know, chapter 1, verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, that Solomon was a sage. He was a wise man. And that's important. And that's something to not overlook. I have an outline here of the book of Proverbs. Um, I failed to put these in the back. Can someone help me pass these out? I'll hand out just, I don't know if I printed enough for everybody or not. Um, Y'all can just take these and, and pass them around. Start this back here. And this is not a, um, not necessarily an outline for just this class, this quarter, but this is an outline of the book of Proverbs in general to help you and to help us in our study of this book. So in our own time, or if we go to study Proverbs with another person, we can have this outline to go to and, and be able to hopefully better parse our study out and to realize what this book is and the collection of wise sayings that we're, we're talking about. So as we see the beginning of Proverbs, we have the introduction. The first seven verses of Proverbs serves as the introduction to this entire book, this entire catalog of sayings. And as mentioned in the outline, chapter 1, verse 7 is the key verse for the entire collection. That is the cornerstone verse for the book of Proverbs. If anybody were to ask you, what's the book of Proverbs all about? It's chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And it's, it's that analogy and it's that counter to one another, that comparison that is the theme of the book of Proverbs. Starting in verse 8 of chapter 1 through the end of chapter 9 is the first main discourse in the book of Proverbs. These are the words of Solomon. 
and it's instruction of a father to his son. And that's the, a conversation, be it a one-sided conversation. And the first nine chapters of Proverbs is really what I would like to tackle first in, in our class this quarter. I don't know how long it's going to take to get through those nine chapters. I'm not making any promises to finish the whole book of Proverbs this quarter or the first nine chapters this quarter. But the goal will be to at least get a handle and mine the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs. Chapter 10, verse chapter 23, verse 16, Proverbs of Solomon. And those are what we may think, think of when Proverbs comes to mind, the quick, pithy sayings, uh, comparisons, and just what comes to mind when we think of Proverbs. We're not necessarily going to be focused on that this quarter. But then you have chapter 22, verse 17, verses chapter 20 through chapter 24, verse 34, words of the wise. And those are other wise men, not Solomon. And that's important. And these were other sages in ancient Israel. Chapters 25 through 29 were additional Proverbs of Solomon that were added later from King Hezekiah and from his council of wise men and scribes. Chapter 30, the words of Agur. Okay, Agur was not Solomon. And historically speaking, we don't know anything about Agur. But he obviously existed. And he was obviously a wise man. And he was obviously an inspired writer because this is scripture that we're reading. Chapter 31, the words of King Lemuel. Okay, we don't know anything about King Lemuel, historically speaking. But he existed. And then the end of chapter 31 is the bookend of the entire collection. And that is Lady Wisdom, the good woman that the young man should have been after the entire time that began the in the first chapter of Proverbs. So that's just a general outline of Proverbs and what we're, we're looking at in this book. <clears throat> what do you think of when you think of a wise person? What comes to mind? What type of person do you think of as being wise? Yes, sir. Some, usually it's someone who's older. Someone who's older who's been through many experiences is usually someone I consider wise. Experience? Older? Someone that is slow to speak. Slow to speak? Yes, absolutely. Prudence is a big theme in Proverbs. Cool head, a cool spirit, as Proverbs says. Uh, when we think of a wise person, we usually think of someone, as Alan said, probably has a few gray hairs in their head. Probably has a lot of gray hairs in their head. But 
Does age make someone wise? <laughs> Just because someone is old does not mean that they're wise. And that's important to understand. And just because a man is 50 years old does not make him a man. There's a lot of 50-year-old boys in the world that are not men, as the Bible would indicate. And in our society today, what does our culture consider a wise person? Who are the wise people in the United States today? The experts in our culture. Excuse me? Money. Money. Credentials and education. Yes, absolutely. <coughs> PhDs, people who are scholars, who have a degree in this or that, who have memorized a specific book on a specific topic. It's intellectually wise. That's what we think of in our society today. Someone who's highly trained in this or that. That is not the wisdom that the Bible speaks of. And the sage, Solomon, the Old Testament and the New, that is not the kind of wisdom we're talking about. Wisdom in the book of Proverbs had nothing to do with whatever sort of school system may have existed in ancient Israel. Okay? <clears throat> the Hebrew word for wisdom is hokmah. H-O-K-M-A. Hokmah. And that is practical knowledge about how to best live life that comes from experience. That's the only way to get that kind of experience, to, to get that kind of wisdom. By living life and by listening to others. Yes, ma'am. Um, sorry. I think, yes, agree. Obviously, the world defines um, wisdom as, as learning some sort of schooling or something. But we do see in Proverbs that the wise never stop learning. Absolutely. And in verse 5, let the wise listen and add to their guidance. So a wise person is not someone that sits and thinks they knows it all. They know it all. I like knows it all. Yeah. <laughs> but someone that but someone that is is humble and says, I know that that true wisdom comes from the Lord and I want to continue to add yes. to my wisdom. Let the wise increase in learning. And that's a great point. Um, a wise person doesn't mean that someone out on the mountain just has all the answers to everything. That's not what a wise person is. In fact, it may be the opposite. It's someone who realizes that they don't have all the answers. Um, but it's also, like you had mentioned, Wisdom is a, a word that has many colleagues. A person who has wisdom has an inventory of all of these things mentioned in the first seven verses of Proverbs. And we're going to get into that um, in time in this class. But it's important to know that wisdom in the wisdom literature is something that anybody could discern by living life and by stopping and observing life. And by receiving and being humble enough to receive instruction, 
in how to best live life. And in the ancient world, there were sages in all cultures. This was not unique to Israel. And in fact, the Bible speaks to the wisdom of the other nations. <clears throat> Acts chapter 7 verse 2, Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in words and deeds. Matthew chapter 2 verse 1, now Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, and behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. That's wise men east of Palestine. So this culture of wisdom and this culture of wisdom literature and sages and kingly advisors was going on all over the ancient Near East. From Egypt was especially known for their wisdom, ancient Assyria, Iran. And who is thought to be responsible for beginning that culture in Israel? Solomon, absolutely. And we see where Solomon begins this wisdom culture when Solomon receives his wisdom in 1 Kings chapter 3. Beginning at verse 5, at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God asked, What shall I give you? Ask what I shall give you. So this kind of genie in a bottle. Ask and you shall receive. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and given him a son to sit on his throne to this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant, Solomon talking about himself, King in place of David, my father, although I am but a little child. Speaking to the humility that the sister mentioned. I do not know how to go out or come in. He's a king. Yet he says, I'm a little child. I don't know how to go out or come in. And your servants in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude, Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? And in verse 10, it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but you've asked for understanding to discern what is right. Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. I know God always gives us and blesses us beyond abundantly beyond what we could ever think to, to ask for ourselves. And later, 1 Kings chapter 4, God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore. 
so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the East and of Egypt. So, an interesting perspective to begin to get a frame of reference of Proverbs to note that in the ancient world, wisdom was lauded. Wisdom was praised in the ancient world. And God gave wisdom and instruction, this wisdom literature of the Old Testament, to an Israel and a people that was in the midst of a culture of people who appreciated wisdom and understood wisdom and its value. The word success in the ancient Hebrew actually is rendered or translated to have gained insight or to be wise is the word successful. That's what that meant. Successful people were wise people. And is that the same in our culture today? What defines success today? Wealth. Money. Absolutely. Fame. Has nothing to do with wisdom. So... Important to uh, observation to to make and, and trying to help someone see the the value of wisdom and the value of the study. Any thoughts or comments so far? You know one thing that's interesting there in the in the first Kings three before uh, you know Solomon asked God for wisdom. He uh, had a marriage alliance with, uh, with Pharaoh uh, to take on Pharaoh's daughter and just like so that's. That's the, the weakness side of, of Solomon already kind of coming out. Absolutely. And we, we all have our faults. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting observation, his, his connection with Egypt and their culture of wisdom. Uh, I'd mentioned earlier the, the types of teachings, the types of lessons that are found in Proverbs. And they have to do with topics that we might consider today secular, um, things like property lines, things like raising up early in the morning and making a loud noise and to your neighbor to be considered a cursing. Uh, it reminded me of last night with the fireworks, and I was thinking about that verse, it's like it's considered cursing. Um, Proverbs teaches about friendship, okay? Things that are very different from what we would think of as, well, what does this have to do with worship? What does this have to do with prayer? And I think that we'll see, and I'm still making my mind up on this, but from what I can gather the Old Testament and the New teaches that there's really no secular in the life of a Christian or in the life of God's people. Yes, ma'am. The outlook of people today is that religion gets put in a little box, and and when we affect every aspect of our absolutely, absolutely. 
Our spiritual lives, our worship of God does not stop and start upon entering the meeting house. And that's a powerful point that I do think is a detriment to our culture today. Yes, sir. Yeah, I was thinking in another way to say that possibly is that everything he created, including mankind, to glorify him and to draw attention to him and his greatness. And that doesn't stop with just our religious observations. And then we have this other life that may not glorify him. In fact, that would be a righteous uh, God our whole life. Things that deal with this life should glorify him. Absolutely. And, and that's a point that is not just made in Proverbs. I mean, we studied Luke. Jesus taught those same things. Who's your neighbor? Deuteronomy spoke a, a lot to that. When, when the Israelites were about to enter in Canaan, Moses instructed them on how they were going to live their everyday lives and how best to live their lives according to God's plan for them and what God saw best for them in their lives. Deuteronomy chapter 22 and verse 1 always stood out to me because anything with a cow I usually remember, but you shall not see your brother's ox or his sheep going astray and ignore them. You shall take them back to your brother. You know, we, we would read that and say, what does that have to do with anything? What does that have to do with worshiping God? What does that have to do with our prayer life? Well, that's a differentiator between the wisdom of ancient Israel and the wisdom of the other nations around them. Because wisdom in ancient Israel taught that everything in your life was directly related to your spiritual life and your spiritual relationship to God. And that hasn't changed. I saw last night there were people in Jerusalem today that when, when Moses spoke in Deuteronomy about having the law bound to your hand and on the doorpost of your house and written in your house and on, on the front of your mind, there are guys that have headbands with a box that they wear every day, seven days a week, and it has this word of God in the box just to remind them. And it, it, they don't take it on and off when they enter the worship house. Um, this is an incredibly biblical concept that our worship of God is our lives. You know, Romans 12, 1 Offer him a sacrifice. We are a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. And that worship of God, it's, it's not just a lifestyle. It is life. And it is all of our lives. Any thoughts, comments on that? <clears throat> yes, sir. That would just hammer home the importance of getting wisdom. If your entire life is about your service to God and is a reflection of how important you think He is and how you're serving Him and walking, then how you choose to make all those little decisions becomes all the more important. It's not just how you have good relationships with your neighbors and prosper financially or little one-off things we may see in Proverbs. It's ultimately correlated directly to your service and worship of the Lord. Absolutely. And that's a great point to segue to the next point. We need to attain wisdom. Well, where do we go to get it? Where do we get wisdom? What would you say? 
God's Word and God Himself. Um, the end of Ecclesiastes, Solomon again, chapter 12, verse 11, the words of the wise are like goads. Goads, again, today it would be referred to as a cow stick in my life. Do y'all know what a cow stick is? And that's exactly what he's taught. That's the picture given to nudge us in, in the right path. There's a certain way we need to go, and it's there to prod us and to get us to go where we need to be going. They're like nails, firmly fixed, are the collected sayings. And here we go. They are given by one shepherd. God was the source of wisdom for Solomon. We studied James this past fall, James chapter 1. Where should we go to get wisdom? Ask God. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously. So if we are looking and searching for wisdom, ask God who gives generously. Any thoughts, comments on that? All right, we're making it a little farther along than I thought we would this morning. Yeah. I, yes, ma'am. I just keep thinking about how there's this necessity for humility and understanding that you are you this without it. And I think that's a thing that we struggle with a lot is we think we have a good head on our shoulders and we have we can make good decisions and um, all of this we rely really heavily on our own ways and our own thinking. Things and I love reading that from first Kings about Solomon's stories. He recognizes I'm in a position that I am not equipped. Job is too big for me. And so I just think that's to me a really a prerequisite to to gaining wisdom is knowing that we are in dire need of that. There's no way. Absolutely that's a great point. And humility is without question a a, a prerequisite to, to attaining wisdom. Um, and in fact, the first seven verses speaks to that. Um, verse seven, where it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. What does that say about a fool? If they despise wisdom and instruction, it says a lot of things, but what does that say? They, they think they know better. Yes, sir? Yeah, I was going to say that they're not wise. They're obviously not wise. Yes, ma'am? Their mind's not open. Their mind is not open. One way and that's it. Marge, you have something? It reminds me of everything that I've known in my life that I would consider wise. They don't think for themselves as wise. But they always seek to understand. So I think, so when I read that, and then I was going to put examples of it. Yeah, absolutely. Is there another hand? Yes, ma'am. So you talked about, at the beginning, part of the people have mentioned that wisdom comes from the experience. 
that means that we definitely have to experience hard things and we have to go through them well and learn from those things and listen to other people who've been through been in that spot also. And then in verse 33 of chapter one, it talks about without dread disasters, disasters not going to come, but that you're you're not afraid of it because you know other people have been through it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's a great point. And that's, you know, we're not just talking about living life just, just for living life's sake wisdom, but this is godly wisdom that comes from living life in a godly way. Godly wisdom. And godly wisdom that has come from other people who have lived their lives in a godly way. And, and like you said, it, it's that perspective. Things are going to happen in this life that we need to be prepared for. And that's what Solomon and, and the sages are teaching here. These are ways to best prepare for the storms of life. Yeah, and the source of wisdom all of God, and, all, and as we've said, also comes from our own experience. We learn sometimes the hard way. It's a, it's a wise person who can actually learn through someone else's experiences. And I think the principle that Jesus taught in in, in the life of Thomas, when he just couldn't believe that Jesus rose from the dead, they saw him, until he touched him. And what did Jesus say when he finally said, you know, Thomas, it's you. Thomas said, it's you. He said, you believe because you see? Blessed are those who believe and have not seen. Those are people who are wise, potentially not through the experience or the facts of life, but through God. He is also um, shows a lot of humility and wisdom that you can actually learn from somebody else's mistakes or success. Absolutely, just by observing from afar and, and, and keeping those things in mind. And I'll, I'll just add to that. That's a hard one because I, going back to your other statement, what does it say about a man who says that a fool who won't listen to wisdom? For someone you really think, well, that was different. I'm different than that person happened to them, but that's not going to happen to me. See, that to me is foolishness. Absolutely. And <clears throat> Proverbs is for, can be for all people, except for one kind of person. Is not, Proverbs is not for one kind of person. And that's a fool. Because a fool doesn't want to hear it. So they're excluded from this. But everyone else who would have the, the open ear and the open heart and the open mind to say, hey, I don't have all the answers. That is what Proverbs is here for. <clears throat> okay, next week, I would like to continue um, in our study. We're going to take a look, especially at chapter 1 next week, the first seven verses, and then verse 8 through the end of chapter 1. And... I appreciate everybody's comments this morning. Uh, today was kind of, I told Brother Chip, this was kind of an introduction to an introduction. So for those of you who are visiting or are not in this class, um, this was just kind of a prelude to, to our study. But I hope that this was helpful and I hope that it helped color in the picture of what Proverbs is and can help us enrich ourselves and our understanding and, and to help teach someone else uh, more about God's Word. So... Any other thoughts, comments? If not, we will be dismissed. I think it's about time for the second bell. Thank you all for your comments.